with 11 other disciples. You have been pulling and pulling on the oars all night long, trying to get across the lake, but the wind is so strong that you have barely made it anywhere. At first, the waves are just making it hard for you to row, but now they're crashing over the side of the boat. You're feeling scared already when suddenly one of your friends yells, what is that? And you look out into the waves. You see a shape that looks like, looks like a person. Is it Jesus? He's getting closer. He, he's walking on the water. And now everyone is freaking out. You're not sure what to do, but because you are the leader, you call out, Jesus, if that's you, then uh, call me out there with you. And as soon as the words leave your lips, you think, what are you saying? Could you have asked a stupider question? But then Jesus does it. He calls your name and he invites you to come out of the boat. What do you do now? What else is there to do? You stand up, you stare down at the water and you think, this is ridiculous. Did he really just speak to me? Okay, you can open your eyes. Did you get a sense of what that must have felt like for Peter? Maybe you've asked the same question. Did Jesus really just speak to me? Does God speak to us today? Yes, he does. How many of you know that God speaks to us today? Yes. He communicates to us through all sorts of different ways and influences us and directs us. And today, Joy and I want to share just a little bit of our story, how he has been leading us, um, hopefully to encourage you as we try to listen for his voice, not only in major decisions, but in all aspects of our life. So I'll give you a little bit of background from my life. One of my most significant encounters with God was when I was 16. It was the first time that I had noticed God's voice. I think that he was leading me before that. He was speaking to me before that, but this was just a tangible experience in my life. He only said two words to me, but it impacted me so deeply because this is God, the God of the universe, the almighty God speaking to little old me. I'd never even heard of anybody hearing God's voice before this time, other than the folks in the Bible. And so it, it blew my mind that he would speak to me. It was not an audible voice. I didn't hear it with my ears. I don't know where I heard it, but I heard it. And um, it had a deep impact on me. Through that encounter, I learned that what God has for me is good. It's not just good, it's really good. It's better than what I can imagine. And hearing God's voice was the thing that helped me to say yes to whatever he has for me. So over the next 10 years, my life went from studying music to leading worship, 
to studying theology, to becoming a worship pastor. And in those years, I met and married Joy, and she was doing the same thing, trying to figure out the life, the call on her life, which was helping people. For her, helping people went to um, studying to become an RCMP officer, to studying marriage and family therapy, to then inner healing and Christian counseling. We wanted to be doing what God wanted us to do. We were expecting to hear his voice in our major decisions. But it wasn't until about 2006 that we started to learn that God's voice is for more than just our major decisions. It's for every aspect of our life. He wants to be talking to us, communicating with us, and leading us. This Jesus that we believe in didn't just speak to his disciples when he was here. He speaks to us now with real words that have real implications for our lives today. I'm sure that each of us has a way that we feel like we connect with God um, the best. Maybe it's during worship. Maybe it's out in nature. Maybe it's sitting at home with your Bible in front of you. Those are all great ways, and there's many different ways that he, he speaks to us. But um, this revelation was that we don't have to be sitting in a worship service waiting for just the right song to play before he speaks. We don't have to be in our prayer closet. He speaks to us anytime, anywhere. And he's constantly wanting to be communicating to us. So we started this journey of learning to hear God's voice. We studied it. We listened to teaching about it. We practiced it. We even taught it. And as we asked God questions and listened for his answers over and over and over and over and over again, our confidence began to rise that, yes, that voice that I just heard, that was God. And no, that was not God. So that's some of the background to our recent story. Jump forward to 2015. I had been working as worship pastor at this church in Oakville called Clearview since 2003. There had been really great times when I loved my job, and there were also really hard times when I wished I could work anywhere else. But 2013 to 2015 was the most amazing season. We were seeing God do incredible things there. We, um, we, were feel, we felt like he was using us in powerful ways and everything was just going really well. August came along and every August I would take some time aside to pray about what God's vision for my year should look like in my ministry role. So I sat down to spend a quiet day praying and listening. What I heard rocked my socks. God said that my goal for the year should be to prepare the congregation for when I was gone. And that is a disguised way of saying, David, get ready to leave Clearview. You know how I felt? There's a point on a roller coaster right at the very top when you start going down and your stomach jumps up into your mouth. I was terrified. 
you have to understand that we were very comfortable there. We, we loved the people, we loved um, our community, our kids were settled in their homeschool group, and um, yeah, everything was going well. But on the other hand, there was a whole bunch more that we longed to be part of. We'd been dreaming about a place where Joy and I could be in ministry together. We even thought of starting our own ministry, healing retreat ministry, where we could walk alongside people into healing and freedom. It may just be me, but I imagine that what we were feeling was a little bit like what Peter was feeling at the edge of the boat. Thinking, um, it's safe in here. It's not safe out there. I know what I'm doing in here, but I've got no clue about that. And this, this in here is logical. Stepping out there, that's crazy. Jesus, did you really call me to come out of the boat? Friends, we do not have a full perspective on life, but Jesus does, thankfully. So if he says to step out of the boat, it's actually gonna be better for us out there than it is in here. Mm -hmm. It is totally illogical. Who wants to step out of a boat in the middle of a lake, in the middle of a storm? Yeah, I see one hand back there. <laughs> That's craziness. It doesn't seem like it's very smart. But if Jesus has called you out, it's going to be way better out there in what appears to be crazy than in here, what appears to be safe. So although it scared us, we quietly said, okay, we'll get ready to leave Clearview. We told some of our closest friends about it and started to pray. I spent the year working towards what I felt God had asked me to accomplish at Clearview, and I didn't do anything in terms of looking for a next step. But after a year, no one had come knocking on our door, so we started knocking on doors, looking for job opportunities. We really weren't ready to step out on our own, so we stayed safe and looked for what we knew that we could do. I started looking for worship pastor jobs and Joy started looking for counseling type jobs. We sent out our resumes, talked to people, had interviews and nothing came, at least not a new job. But what did come was clarity. We realized things like, hmm, if I get a new job at that church as a worship pastor, I'm gonna be doing the exact same thing there that I'm doing here. That's not what God's calling us to. He's inviting us to a new direction. So the knocking on doors was an important part of the process. I think that if we had sat on our butts and just waited for God to plop something in our laps, that we'd probably still be waiting. Picture God as the rudder on your ship. He can't actually steer you, lead you, until you start moving. Now, don't hear me wrong, God can do whatever he wants to do, but my point is that he honors movement, even when you don't know where you're going. If he's called you to step out, then we need to take that first step. I think that Joy and I had to go through that process of applying for jobs, 
to come to hear God's voice saying that what we had in mind was not exactly what he had in mind. Now, we had been in a small group of pastors and leaders for a number of years with Steve Long. Steve and Sandra are um, senior leaders at Catch the Fire. So I asked if I could sit down with him and just tell him where we were at. I was basically laying all my cards on the table and saying, is there a job for us somewhere in the Catch the Fire world? And he said, sure, come plant a church. <laughs> what? <laughs> I told him he was crazy and I stormed out of the restaurant. <laughs> that was my inside voice. <laughs> in reality, I sat politely and I listened to what he had to say and he invited us to come to the church planting school at the School of Ministry. Ah, so reluctantly, I went home and I told Joy all about it. We sat and asked Jesus about it, and we felt like he was saying, go ahead, take this next step and see where it leads. So we attended the church planting school in 2017, and who did we meet? This lovely couple named Ramesh and Elsie, and a fiery evangelist named Kayan. <laughs> now, you might think that this story ended there, but it didn't. At that course, Joy and I came to realize how our dreams for this healing ministry could line up perfectly with a congregation who holds in their values hearing God's voice and restoring the heart and knowing the Father's love. We had always loved Catch the Fire and been blessed by Catch the Fire and felt at home at Catch the Fire, but now we were starting to understand why. So life kept on going. I've been sharing some of the highlights of my story and, and how God has spoken to me. I haven't shared very much about um, the hard parts of our journey and the struggle, but in this next season, it was probably the hardest six months of our marriage, 17 years of being married. Um, we decided, okay, well, let's go to a, a week of healing for, with uh, restoring the foundations. And we had really high expectations. We'd had weeks like this before and had amazing, amazing breakthroughs in our, um, our walk with Jesus, our relationship, and life in general. So we had really high expectations. But through that week, it stirred up so much junk in our lives that um, it was really, really hard slugging for the next significant period. Um, so... Just throw that in there. It's, it's not all, my, our lives have not been all smooth sailing. Oh, I heard God speak again. Oh, okay, he wants me to go this way. But um, that, yeah, that has been a significant part as well. So in that time, we continued to have conversations with different Catch the Fire churches. We applied for jobs at Partners in Harvest churches. And we considered going to new church plants, as crazy as that may be. Um, but we also developed our relationship with some of the folks that we met at the church planting school. 
We continued going about our business for six or seven months after that, when within two weeks of each other, not one, not two, but three different churches contacted us. We had not contacted them. One of the churches we had not even talked to the leaders of. And interestingly, they all said the same three things to us. They said, we would love to have you guys come and join our congregation. So we were like, the next thing they said was, we don't have any money. We can't hire you. Hmm. <laughs> Why don't you come and do some tent making and you can come and join our congregation? Like, <laughs> so listen to how God worked in my heart through those three invitations. The first one was like, ah, we're not going to do that. The second one was, hmm, I wonder what that would look like. And the third one was, yeah, I think we could do that. So that was his way of preparing us to take the next step. So here we are again at the edge of the boat saying, Jesus, is this really you? Do you actually want us to step out? Needless to say, we did a lot of praying, a lot of listening, both by ourselves and with trusted friends. And in the next two months, we visited um, the churches, prayed some more, and we felt like God was leading us here to catch the fire Scarborough. The one question that remained was, after we leave Clearview, where's our income gonna come from? Again, God came through amazingly. We knew a friend of ours in Oakville was looking for part-time help in her bookkeeping business. Bookkeeping. I had no experience in that. And so, first of all, we prayed, should we even bother asking her for a job? We felt like Jesus was saying, go ahead. So we asked her. She asked Jesus if I was the right one for her business at that time. She felt him say yes, so she hired me the next day. Um, now I could resign from Clearview and know where our next paycheck was going to come from. We were anxious to start attending here as soon as possible, but I felt like I needed to finish the year off at Clearview. So I said that I would work until the beginning of January 18, 2018. Tag team. Hello. <laughs> um. Where's, where to start? I could pick up right there. So after we left, uh, we started to come here right away. It was, so I, that's where I wanna start. It was really important to us that we be uh, discipled, um, that people kinda like, I call them mamas and papas, <laughs> walk with us and train us and help us into the leadership roles that we were wanting to grow in. And we really fell in love with Ramesh and Elsie's hearts and felt like they were the right people, um, as well as the Lord's voice, to help us along that journey. And so we're so thankful for their willingness to be obedient to the Lord and hear, hear from him. And when we started coming here last January, um, 
we started coming on Sundays and Wednesday nights. I got to come for prayer meetings. And his presence was so um, tangible to me and so comforting that although there were some shaky legs, he was so encouraging in those first few months especially um, that we were right with, he was right with us. Um, so we were coming um, Sundays and Wednesdays and occasionally other times and we soon realized that if we wanted to fully engage here uh, we really couldn't do that by commuting from Oakville to Scarborough so we started asking the question when because um, we felt like the why had been answered or, or if had been answered and there was this stoplight um, at the bottom of the exit ramp off the highway in Oakville. And we'd lived there for 16 years, and I'd say 98% of the time I hit that light, it was red. And one day last April, it was green. And I, <laughs> and it, you know, that could be nothing, but it was one of those um, stilled moments where I was like, oh, I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying something here. What is this? And so I paid attention, and I kept on experiencing that light green. And um, so we started talking more about moving and asking, does this mean go? Um, and we started praying into the hows and the whens. So pretty quickly, we interviewed three realtors, and... Um, then a week after that, we hired one. We signed a contract for him to sell our home. And a week after that, it was sold. So it was intense, but it was really obvious in, from our perspective that we had favor in that process. It can be really stressful and hard, but God just worked it all out amazingly. So... Um, we knew that we were in God's will. He made things so clear to us that we were hearing him and that he was leading us. But even so, we had, all five of us, had to deal with some significant emotions in the wake of selling our house. It was, yes, I know you're here with us. Yes, we're in the right spot. But, oh, this hurts. Um, so... As well as dealing with the emotions, we also had to deal with thought life. And I found that there were external and internal thoughts, or voices, I should say, that were trying to discourage or reroute us. And um, so I just put that out there, that we can be right in the center of God's will, but it can sometimes, we get questions and we need to figure out how to stand firm and there's a little tool that I used regularly in this transitional period especially but very regularly now as well and when it was introduced to us it's called one two three skidoo and it's I don't like the name of it but it's very effective <laughs> um, and it's simple you go like this Lord or first of all the first step is I I'm struggling with fear right now. And so it's recognizing something. And for me, that's a step because you can be pushed around by something and not even know it. And then it gets to push you around for longer. And so I was training myself to realize, okay, fear is pushing me around right, right now. 
and then decide, do I want to let it continue? Once you've made that decision, then you can say, Lord, um, I've been partnering with fear, and I don't want to do that anymore. Fear is not my friend. Would you remove it from me and nail it to the cross? And once that's done, Lord Jesus, what do you have for me in its place? And it would take that time to listen and wait. And wow, what a powerful way to link arms with Jesus. And it, it changes things. Um, so I also think it's cognitive behavioral therapy on steroids and Holy Spirit's the steroid. Um, so everything kind of slowed down after we sold our house. We thought, okay, we have this idea of what we'd, we'd like in a house, but ultimately we want Holy Sp the Lord to choose our home. We want the Lord to choose our neighborhood. We know that what he has for us is best. So we were um, asking him to provide, and he in fact said through lots of you people, he has a, a house for you. He's, um, he's going to provide. And it was so helpful to partner with you in that. Um, so although we knew that, um, it sometimes feels like uh, partnering with the Lord is kind of like walking on a tightrope because um, we know his heart and he's said something to us and we know he's good and faithful. But on the ha other hand, as David's already mentioned, we can't just sit back and wait. And so the tightrope is how much do I just... Um, wait on the Lord, and how much do I engage? What, what do I do and what's too much? And we struggled with that from um, April to July last year. But it's a good struggle uh, to have to, and to work through. So our closing date was July 20th. Um, and so we had three months. Um, just a, another little side note here to do with that sluggle, struggle. Um, I believe that God has created us to hunger him. When he created us, there, um, he created us to need him, to be in relationship with him. And I think in my life anyways, I, I can spend a lot of time trying to fill that need with other things. And... Um, I'm reminded of this every Lent. Lenten is a season we're in right now. It's 40 days before Easter, and we're waiting uh, for the Lord's return. And during this season, I like to give up something. I like to fast something to help um, focus on him. And for me, no, I wouldn't do that, Ramesh. <laughs> he said garlic. That's for another time. Um, this year I gave up cho uh, dessert of any kind and coffee. And yes, so I notice in myself that if I have any kind of pressure coming on me, one of my first thoughts is, man, I think I need a coffee. Or where's the chocolate in this house? And because I've removed those things from my life right now, I realize I can't do that. And oh, that is that built-in hunger that's his design. And what I can do is look to him.
And so it's so helpful for me to have this season of not having it in my life. And that same tendency I have played out last year when we were looking for a house. Um, we thought it would go faster, it didn't go fast. We looked and we looked and we looked and we drove and we drove and we drove to go and find it. And if my um, attitude moved from faith to the logical circumstances we were in, um, I could say, I could just pick up the iPad and start searching frantically on MLS for a house. MLS was my chocolate. So rather than moving into and leaning into him with the fearful thoughts, occasionally I could get kind of sucked into the, I'd better take these reins and figure this out and find this house. And um, this week when I was thinking about what we were going to share, um, I woke up one morning babbling to myself. I was telling me the story about Martha and Mary. And Martha and Mary are two sisters, actually, in the Bible. And they um, invited Jesus and his disciples to come over um, one day. And I imagine with that, there was expectation of providing food. There may have even been a promise. And Martha, one of the sisters, was diligently preparing for that. She was making food and preparing the house to serve their guests. Seems like a good thing to do. Anyways, her sister Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, adoring him and hanging on every word. And Martha was getting a little upset and frus frustrated with her sister. And so she went to Jesus. She was confident enough in her position, and she went to Jesus, who was being adored, and said, Jesus, can't you tell her to help me? Like, I'm doing all the work. And this is what Jesus said. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And that really speaks to this whole piece of um, leaning into him. I want that to be my response in every situation that, we, uh, that I stop and I lean into Jesus, become aware of his presence, and then aware of his peace, and then the worries and the fears can wash off, and I can get his perspective and hear from him what he wants me to do, rather than running around like a chicken with its head cut off. So that's something that I learned a lot from last year and am really trying to practice this year. So back to the story. We put offers on all sorts of houses. And um, only after we, actually, I shouldn't say all sorts, several houses, after we asked the Lord, is this OK? And we had enough peace that it was. But at every turn, uh, we didn't get the house. Doors were closed. And to tell you the truth, that felt kind of encouraging because we asked the Lord clearly, if this is the house, open wide the door. If it's not, close it up. You know where we need to be. 
and he did. In hindsight, we saw so many situations where the door was closed and it didn't really make sense. So he was so with us. Um, and so we were waiting. And at the beginning of this, after the sale of our house, we said, uh, or David's parents said to us, if there's any gap time between um, moving out of your Oakville house and into your Scarborough house, you know, feel free to come and live with us. Um, and then it was less than two weeks before we were homeless and um, we didn't have a house, have, didn't have another house. And David's mom casually said to us one day that her friends were going to come and be visiting for the first week after we sold our house. And that left us kind of like, okay. And we, I can remember just kind of thinking through everything. Um, we'd been looking for a house for over three months. We had two weeks until we were homeless. Less, actually. It took, typically takes two to three months to close a house. So you, you decide you're selling it to somebody and you have two to three months to move out and then move in. So we had two weeks. It usually takes two to three months. And our safety net, David's parents, seemed to be a little less ready to catch us. Um, we'd quit our job in Oakville and um, we didn't have a house soon. And we were moving to Scarborough where we didn't have a job and we didn't have a house. And it seemed like we were in a pretty crazy situation. Um, and there were lots of friends and neighbors in Oakville who stopped asking us how it was going because it was awkward for them. And two friends um, in particular took it that much farther and said, are you sure you know what you're doing? And um, those two friends don't know the Lord. Um, and so I kept on saying to them, you know, we're, we don't know what we're doing, but we're following the Lord. He's guiding us and he's faithful and he's gonna work this out. And I remember around this time praying to the Lord and saying, God, I have been telling them, I know you want them to know you. I've been telling them about your character, how faithful and kind and good you are. Don't disappoint them. Like it just felt like a, a point of come through for them because your name is um, on the line. And he did. And it turns out that in that this was the best position we could have been in, you know? We were completely dependent on him. We couldn't work something. Actually, we could have bought a house at any point, but we didn't want to do that. We wanted to buy the house he had for us. Um, and it was a really good position to be in. So, um, speed things up a little bit here. Um, we, uh, I ha we hadn't included the kids too much in uh, the whole looking for a house situation. It was a bit of a roller coaster ride, but um, less than two weeks left, and uh, a new house came on the market. 
and David wasn't home, so I showed the kids. And when Samuel saw it, uh, he got so excited. And he said, Mommy, this is the house. He said, I'm pretty sure that's the exact house that I saw in my dream. And so that was pretty encouraging. And then this, the Sunday following after church, we went and saw it. And again, the kids were encour encouraging. They're like, yes, this is it. And one of them came to us and said, if you need help, I've been saving my money from the paper route, and I'll give you everything we have if it will mean that we can get this house. So it was so encouraging to, to know their hearts about it. Another gift from God. So quick story about it. I can't delete these because it's a significant piece, but um, we put... So... The house had just come on the market. They were asking for three months to close. And they were, um, we asked the Lord, if this is our house, how much do we pay for it? This is how we'd done it all along. And he gave both of us the same number individually. And um, so we talked to our realtor. It was $19,000 below what they were asking. And with a house new on the market, it's less likely to get 19,000 knocked off right away. But our realtor was pretty patient and he worked with us and he said, we're gonna offer a month close to start. So we have a negotiation room. We're gonna offer 10,000 below your highest number. Again, for negotiation room. And then we'll see where it goes. So. We did that, and right away, they said, sure, we'll take that one month, even though they didn't have a house to go to. And that was encouraging. And then we went back and forth several times and landed at a number that was $2,000 above what we heard the Lord say. And uh, so David and I said, we need, to, we need to sleep on this. We didn't wanna make anything happen at this stage. So we prayed about it. The next morning felt like God was saying, okay, you can do this. And so we signed the papers with that number, conditional on inspection. And that week, uh, they did an inspection and found a few things that were concerning that needed addressing. And so our real estate agent said, ask them to take $5,000 off the, the price um, because of these issues. So we did. And they came back to us and said, we can't do 5,000, how about two? And so we landed right at the number the Lord had said. And so there's a lot of detail to share with you, but my point is that he was, he was just so right there with us. And if we hadn't gone through all of that, we would have been less sure that this was our house. But we knew because of the situation that this was our house. And it's been helpful to know that um, along the journey. So God is so good and he's so faithful. And so we were moving in in August and people were helping us, um, including Ramesh and Elsie. And um, early in that day, Ramesh and Elsie came up to us and said, we would like to invite you onto staff. And so, this whirlwind where there are points where it's like, oh man, this is, this is um, crazy, but we know you're here with us. 
to this beautiful um, point where he shows us, you're right where you're supposed to be and I'm providing for you. And so, yeah. There's so many more bits of this story that I'd love to share at some point with you over coffee. Um, and chocolate. But I hope, but I, yeah, <laughs> with a piece of chocolate. Um, I hope that this is not just a cool story. Like, um, I hope that you hear this and that your faith has been massaged, that if, if you're being invited to step out of the boat, go for it. And if you've already stepped out of the boat, you're in good hands. Just keep leaning into him and do what he says to do. He is so faithful and good. Can we invite you to stand? We would like to pray for you. So I first want to pray for, for people who just want to um, grow in hearing God's voice. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Thank you for all the examples in Scripture that we read of people hearing your voice. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. Thank you for your words, Lord. Thank you that you say, you're, my sheep, hear my voice. Lord, we have said yes to you. We are your sheep. You have called us and we've responded. So I pray, Lord, that you would um, make your voice clearer to us. Tune our ears to hear exactly what you want to say and bring the volume down on all the other voices. When there are distractions, Lord, keep our focus on you. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Like those things that, um, the waves that were coming up against Peter, the wind, the rain, the way the boat was rocking back and forth, all the things that were saying, no, don't, don't step out of the boat. All those distractions. There are, are continually things that will come against us. And Lord, I pray that you would um, nullify those, that you would highlight them as distractions, that we would realize that, and that we would be able to continue to fix our eyes on you. And we just bless you as, um, as you walk on the water with Jesus. We bless you to know his peace and his comfort. We bless your eyes to stay fixed on him. Lord, we're so excited to be a part of your body and 
um, we want to fully engage with you, Lord. We want to lay off those things that keep us from running this race wholeheartedly. And so, Lord, would you continue to just speak to us, show us those things, and, um, and draw us to yourself, Lord. For those of you who are at the edge of the boat, looking out into the water, saying, can I actually put my foot out there? Can I actually step out? We bless you with courage. Jesus is with you. You are hearing his voice. For those of you who are already out there, way out there in the middle of the lake, with no boat around, walking with him, we bless you. Thank you for listening to his voice. We bless you with perseverance. We bless you with encouragement and knowing his heart for you, his intentions, his, his love poured out on you. So Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you have held nothing back from us to show your love for us, to pour your love out on us. And we receive that love. And we leave this place going up, filled up with your love, filled up with your presence, ready to face the things that you have for us this week. Thank you that your presence goes with us. It's in the powerful name of your son that we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.